0: Thank you. Excellent. Good evening, everyone. Glad that you're here. I've been a little confused. We've had, goodness, four days without rain. I kind of haven't known what to do with myself. It's been a little been so unusual it is a record I heard somebody say that yes we'd been building an ark in our backyard it turns out we may not need that so Um, for those that are concerned my wife is surviving at camp I know many of you that have met my wife and know her immediately thought oh she's an outdoors person I can see her camping I'm sure that's what you thought um, considering she thinks that roughing it is going to the Holiday Inn instead of the Marriott. So this was a little bit of an adventure for her to go to camp. She's having a good time. Uh, It's been very good weather, so she's been very blessed to be there. It's been a little tough on me. She's been gone four days, so I've had to buy new clothes because I don't have clean clothes at the house. Just kidding. Just kidding. So, Well, glad everybody is here tonight. Uh, Let's open in a word of prayer. Loving Father, we do thank you for another wonderful day. Father, it's so good to be here tonight. We hope that we can spend time in your word. Please speak to us through your word. Help us to to listen to what you have to say to learn, and help us to open our hearts to what you would say to us. And Bless this time we have to study and this time of conversation together. Bless our time of devotional afterwards and our time of fellowship as we come to a conclusion this evening. Please be with those that are away at camp this week and give them a uh, successful week in which they grow closer to you, and they strengthen one another. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for all that you do, but there's no greater gift than the gift of your Son. And we are so very thankful that you gave him to us. It's through his holy name that we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so, um, actually, I'm having to wipe my eyes. I apologize. my. Uh, my glasses are causing my eyes to itch a little or something i don 't know how that works, and i 'm a little tired today, so you may see me doing this number to get that right. I know Tony, you were missing your glasses one time, and you were trying to get that right distance so i 'm kind of doing that. I was up uh, about three a m this morning. I had a meeting with Washington at five, and so I was in the office by four um, thirty and then I basically went home and grabbed my notes and came here. So it's been a long day, but it's been a very productive day. I don't know if you've had those days where you're like, man, it was a a good day. It was long, it was productive, but I just had a really good productive day, and I felt like we accomplished a lot. So that was good. Um, Okay, we're going to be in Exodus, and if things go as planned, uh, we will start into the story of Moses probably tonight. And then we're going to take a pause from the children of Israel, just because we've really been studying the Israelites, and they're kind of getting together, you know, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, um, Joseph, and so we'll step away and do a couple of stories. We'll do the story of Jonah, we'll do the story of Daniel, and then we'll come back and look at the uh, Exodus as we finish out the class. I don't know, I think right now, you know, Tony, we haven't talked about it, he's having a conversation, but... The semester or quarter ends the end of August, I think. I think it was June, July, August. So I don't know if I'm stepping out at the end of August or if I'll uh, teach longer. That's up to whatever everybody decides. But um, we'll have it, hopefully get a couple weeks into Exodus uh, before the end of the quarter. So, All right, Exodus chapter 1. Okay, so we've had uh, the story of Joseph. Joseph has now passed away. We've gone about 350 years And there's a verse here in Exodus chapter 1 and verse 8. Okay? Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And two of the versions will say did not know Joseph or God. And so I wanted to stop there for a minute. One will say or his God and one will say or God. So the idea of knowing God, okay? So let me ask you this. What does... What does know mean to you? What does know, K N O W, not know that we tell our kids, K N O W, what does that mean to you? To know God. Mm -hmm. Have knowledge of. Okay, good. That's the first step. Have knowledge of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, intimate knowledge. You added more. Danny, I saw your hand. Right, so it goes beyond knowing, knowing He exists, intimate knowledge, relationship, to now something that you do. So, if you're familiar with, uh, have you seen like the, the food pyramid where you got these things you have to eat, or have you seen uh, the hierarchy of needs? And you see this pyramid and the needs base of each other. In education, there's something called Bloom's Taxonomy, and we talked about that a couple weeks ago. I referenced it, and it's the it's the levels of knowledge. Okay. And so the first level of knowledge is what we call recall. So when my daughter was 14 or 15 months old, I was a surgery resident, and she was already talking some. And so I taught her, anytime time I say, Jessica, what's right here? And it didn't matter where I pointed. She would always say, oh, the spleen. She had no idea what a spleen was. But we would be in public, I'd be like, well, you know, I've taught my daughter anatomy and physiology. Watch, Jessica, What? Where? Uh, what's right here? And she'd go, the spleen. And they'd be like, the spleen. How does she know the spleen? That's amazing. She knew one word, spleen. And so I taught her that one word. So she knew when I did this, she said spleen. That is simple recall. I know that two plus two is four. I don't know what two means. I don't know what four means. But I know when you say two plus two is four, I've learned that, okay? That's the base level of knowledge. And there are people who know Oh, yeah, I've heard of God, right? That's a base level knowledge. The next level up is what we call understanding. So 2 plus 2 is 4. Now I know 2 plus 2, 1, 2, 3, 4. Oh, that's why 2 plus 2 is 4. Makes sense, right? So I know God, meaning I know he exists, and I understand, oh, he's a supreme God. Oh, he, he's He's the creator, Okay. Next level up is application. So two plus two, one, two, three, four is four. I walk down the street, I see two apples, I see two oranges, I know that those are four. I'm no longer just worried about fingers, I understand I can apply that knowledge. So that is, I know God, I understand he's there, I've got this intimate understanding, and now it changes what I'm doing, right? I'm applying that knowledge so that I live differently. And as you go up that hierarchy, you get to things like synthesis, right, where... Where you now are doing things and creating things and being different because of that knowledge of God, right And that's what we're trying to get to. And you may say, why are we talking about this? Just about the word no." Well, because I want us to remember how quickly, this is just a few generations. Joseph saved Egypt. Egypt was doomed. Joseph made Egypt the most powerful country in the world. They owned all the land. They started to own land to their neighbors. They had all the money. They had all the livestock. Countries all around gave them money, gave them livestock. Joseph is a national hero, saved the country. A couple generations later, the king of the country is like, who? Joseph who? Joseph's God? Who is Joseph's God? And I think it's a good reminder for us that it is our job to make sure that people know God. That they know God the way... That intimate application, but right, walking in his commands. They know God in a way that changes their lives. And sometimes we forget that. We forget that because we get wrapped up in doing what we do, right? So, why do we come on Wednesday nights? Well, Wednesday night is about devotional, it's about study, it's about strengthening us. But ultimately, our goal is to make sure more people know God. Why do we have a pantry? Well, pantry is because we're called to feed the needy, right? And that's a good thing. But if I only feed them and never have an opportunity... Now, I'm not saying that somebody who doesn't come to church never gets fed. But our goal is to get people to heaven, not to feed them. Our goal is to get people to heaven, not to visit the sick. And we can sometimes get caught up in our programs, our activities, our church life, and those are all important things. Is there anything wrong with VBS and Bible camp and fellowship meals and game night and Bible study? No. Nothing wrong with any of that. But our goal should always be about making sure people know God. And it's very easy to lose focus of that. It's very easy to lose focus. And you may say, well, Stephen, this is a lot from one word. Well, let's think about the life of Jesus. So Jesus healed people, right? Why did Jesus heal people? Because he wanted to ease their suffering. No, no. Why did Jesus heal people? Yeah, here to show people what he could do, his power, who he was. He was God. Could Jesus on day one of his ministry said, everybody on earth is healed right now and they're immediately healed? Absolutely. If his purpose was to heal people, there would have been no sickness in the world the day he said, be healed. I always joke about the fact that when you see him raise Lazarus from the dead, why did he say, Lazarus, come forth? Because if he had said, come forth, everybody who ever died would have stepped out of the grave. He is God. He has that power. Jesus didn't come to heal people. Jesus fed the five thousand. Were there people that were sick at the time? I mean, that were hungry at the time of Jesus? Yeah. Were there people that died of hunger at the time of Jesus? Yes. Well, why didn't he just say, "Everybody has twelve loaves and two fishes that last forever"? Because that wasn't the reason he was here. Jesus gives us his reason. He gives us a purpose statement, and what is it? To seek and save the lost. And so. We have this king of Egypt, this new pharaoh that doesn't know Joseph. It doesn't know Joseph's God. And it was just a few generations before that the vice pharaoh was Joseph. It would be like someone going, who's George Washington? Right, in the United States. The founder of our country. Joseph would have been a bigger deal than that, right? He didn't found the country. He made it the most powerful country in the world and kept it there, right? And so it's so easy, it's so easy for a generation to fall away and not know God. So it's just easy for me sometimes to get caught up in the activities of church and the programs and forget. Nothing wrong with fellowship meals, nothing wrong with VBS, nothing wrong with camp, nothing wrong with game night, nothing wrong with bus programs and pantries. But my goal, my overarching goal is to seek and save the lost because that was Jesus' goal. Um, And I have to make sure. I'm not saying that every time we get together, you must offer an invitation or you must do a 30-minute Bible study. No. There are times when fellowship is the main purpose of that event. But our overarching goal as a church is to seek and save the lost. Our overarching goal as a person is to seek and save the lost. And everything we do should be put under that umbrella. So, any questions or comments about that? So, we see Israel growing now. Okay? And what happens as Israel grows here in Exodus? What happens? What does Pharaoh start to notice? Yeah, there's a lot of them. It's kind of an understatement, right? In fact, the Israelites now outnumber the Egyptians. So let's just think from a military standpoint, is this a problem? Yeah. In fact, Pharaoh says, what happens if somebody tries to attack us and they get the Israelites on their side? we're in trouble here, right? We're outnumbered, and they're in our country. So Pharaoh has a problem. And so it says that Pharaoh um, decides to set the taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, right? They, to store up things. They built for him um, Pithom and Ramses. So here they start to make the Israelites workers, and then they actually enslave them. They actually enslave the entire nation. Now, do you think that at this time, the Israelites thought this was a blessing? I heard somebody honestly answer what what'd they say. No. Was it a blessing? Again, we're not going to get into it. We've talked about it three of the last four weeks. We have to change in our mind what we consider a blessing the Israelites becoming slaves were a blessing. And none of us would say, oh, if I lost my job and I had to work hard labor in the ditch to barely get by, that's a blessing. But the Israelites were blessed. In fact, it says, but the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. As they got harder work, God multiplied them. As it got worse, as they become more slaves, God blessed them. Now is it fair that the Israelites are slaves? Did they do anything to deserve being a slave? No. And so in my life I have to make sure I'm looking at things saying, Maybe I am being persecuted. Maybe I am losing my job. Maybe this diagnosis of cancer is a horrible thing. Maybe it's not. Tony? They already technically already but they sold it. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they were slaves. In fact, technically, all of Egypt was a slave because, remember, they all sold their land. They all gave away their money. They all gave away their livestock. But the Egyptians said, well, we're going to be up here, and we're going to put them down here. And if you had asked an Israelite at the time, you're being blessed by God. You're being enslaved. That's not a blessing. Yes, it is. It is a blessing. You just need to change your mindset of what you consider to be a blessing. Um, okay, so it, so Pharaoh has this problem with the Israelites growing. They're now a threat to us. So he comes up not only with making them slaves, but what else does he come up with? I heard. Right, kill the babies. So he calls in these two women, and I don't know why we're talking a million people. I'm sure there had to be two more mid, two, more than two midwives. But these must be the... Leader midwives, the representative midwives—I don't know—but he calls in these two midwives and he gives them instructions. And it's pretty blunt. What are you going to do with your boys when they're born? Yeah. Hey, we're going to kill them because Pharaoh now sees they're two—they num- they're outnumber us. We're going to put them to work for us as we oppress them. Of course, they're not going to live as long. Well, that backfires on them. And then we're going to start killing the boys because they can be warriors in the future. Okay. So Pharaoh has this plan. Of course, it doesn't work out. Pharaoh has this plan. So the midwives, it says, in Exodus 1, verse 17, that they didn't obey. Why didn't they obey? Yeah, that's. It's, I heard several of you say the exact phrase. They feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded. They feared God, so they didn't obey. Now, I'm going to broach a very difficult subject here because it's one that's probably touchy for people, but we're going to talk about the idea of a government telling you to do something, right? The government told the midwives, you go kill those babies. The midwives feared God, so they didn't do it. Well, now we got a problem, don't we? Because they're not doing what the government told them. They're obeying what God... So... If the government tells us tomorrow this is what's going to get, what if they say that church can't meet? You can no longer meet as a church at Anchorage Church of Christ. What are we to do now? I want you to think carefully before you answer that, because did that happen during COVID at many places? Yes. Does it happen around the world in many places? I know somebody that has been at a church in Saudi Arabia, and they will kill you on the spot in Saudi Arabia for having a church unless you're in one of the uh, western compounds. That's an exception. I know people that worshipped in China where it was against the law to have a Bible. If you smuggled it in, you could be put to death. So let's talk about this for a minute. Law should never determine where we follow God. I think if I would agree with that, right? Law should never determine whether we follow God. But I want us to take a minute. Did the midwives go out, disobey Pharaoh, and then rub it in his face? Did the midwives picket and say, we're delivering babies anyway? Did the midwives go out and say, I know you said this, but we're going to do that? Well, wait a minute. If they feared God, why didn't they stand up against Pharaoh? There's a lesson here for us as Christians, okay? The midwives, actually, to be, we won't get into, they lied, okay? We won't get into whether it was okay to lie. But what they did is they hid their intent. They hid what was going on. Yet God blessed them. We see that God approved what they did. Now, as modern-day Christians, we need to be very careful here because I heard people saying, if they shut down the church, I'm going to go tomorrow. Really? Let me see, where did the midwives go to Facebook and post what they were doing? Hang on, no, I don't see that here. Where did the midwives brag that they were standing up to Pharaoh for God? I don't see that here. Where's the news station, right? So did you see the guy in California? He called the news station when they were going to meet so that the news station could be there. You're an idiot. I'm standing up for God. No, you're not. You're standing up for your own ego is what you're doing there. You want the attention for you. Is it okay for us to continue to meet, but to do it in secret? Did the first century do that? We know for sure they did based on historical writings, based on uh, archaeological evidence. Do people do that today in other countries? Absolutely. I know people that are doing that. Oh, they're not real Christians if they're meeting in secret. No. Don't we have times where Jesus fled a mob? He should have stood up for him. He's Jesus. There are a time and place for those confrontations, but we said it a few weeks ago. Prudence is also very wise. If somebody stood out there with a gun and said, "Anybody that shows up here, I'm going to shoot and kill you right now," well, I'm going sh- to go. I'm going to be the martyr. Well, that's kind of stupid, isn't it? Right? Why don't I just call up James and say, "Hey, let's let's uh, let's get together at this other place," or? You know, why don't we have some small groups meeting tonight? Or why don't we stream the services? Oh, that's, that's, that's caving in. Hmm. You know, when I see the spies in Jericho, I see them hiding. And God bless them. When I see Paul being led out of a city so that he doesn't get killed. So maybe we need to be careful that when we're defying the government, when we're standing up for God, that we're doing it for God and not for us. All right? I've said it all along, and you guys have heard it now a couple times about the Christian baker that everybody put on their social media post about how great he was. He sinned. He sinned in the way he approached that. He was sinful in the way he went through it. And it cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to defend him. And actually, in the appeal, he didn't get the win you think he got. And by the way, he ended up paying a fine. The reason he sinned is because he flicked his nose up and he insulted them. It's never okay to do that. That's not an okay way to stand up for God. God doesn't want us punching people in the face, insulting them, because our purpose, let's go back to our first lesson tonight, is so people will know God. Are we going to bring people to God by insulting them, by rubbing it in their face? No. No so i'll ask the question was it okay was it okay for a church to decide to not meet in person during covid absolutely it was you may agree you may disagree with the outcome whether it was why those are it was not sinful it was not wrong right do i know churches that didn't meet and are stronger now than they were before actually actually i can give you a lot of them do i know churches that did meet and are stronger now than they were before yes I know churches that didn't meet in a weaker, and I know churches that did, did meet in are weaker. Whether they met or didn't meet was generally not what drove the outcome. It was how they handled it, how the people, to be quite honest, submitted to the authority of the elders, whether there was grumbling about it, whether there was unity. And let me remind you that you could still get together with other brothers and sisters and worship and praise God did you do that or were you throwing a fit because they weren't meeting here and you wanted to meet here I mean that's a touchy subject that's a touchy subject because we all lived it I've talked to 40 plus churches on this topic during COVID and as a physician and an elder and you know I had a friend Dale Jenkins in the Jenkins Institute I gave a couple podcasts we had 10,000 elders and ministers listen to one of them in the first two weeks I can tell you but whether you meet or didn't meet or oh, if you didn't meet you cowered to the government or you cowered no there's still prudence could you meet and wear a mask, could you meet in social distance could you meet over zoom, could you meet streaming, could you do small groups separate could you meet in the there's lots of things you could do it doesn't mean you were coward. the midwives hid their intention to the government and they're blessed by God it is fine to stand up for God, we're called to do that but there are ways to do that without putting a big target on your back and never ever ever do I see the midwives make it about them you know parading through the Israelites y'all see what we did to Pharaoh (laughs) we pulled one over on him didn't we yeah that's sinful oh no it's stand up for God yeah you can stand up for God and be in sin ego and attitude matter let me tell you something else When I choose to worship here, and you may say, oh, well, he's up as an elder. I'm not an elder yet. When I choose to worship here, I go under subjection to the elders. And unless it is a matter of scriptural, I follow what they say. They are put in that position by God. And I may not agree with it, and I'm welcome to have those conversations with them. I've never met an eldership yet that wouldn't at least have those conversations. And if I prayerfully consider and study and have that conversation, I think it will go well, whether I get my way or not. But if I only am subject to the elders when the elders agree with me, that's not subject to the elders. Yeah. And I'll tell you, that's sinful. And so, agree with. Did you meet in. And I don't even know, Tony, I don't even, Jane, I don't even know. If y'all met in person part of the time, none of the time, one year, two years, it doesn't matter. And this is a pretty personal subject for some people. There are people in this room that have complained to me about this and complained to others about this in front of me. But I'm here to tell you, standing up for God does not mean we do stupid things. If hemorrhagic fever came into Anchorage tomorrow, I would tell you, don't come to this building for a while. We need to get this worked out. Oh, no, we're going to meet in person so that we can all die and, wait a minute. And then how do, we, how do we serve God? How do we teach his word? So we have to be really careful when we talk about standing up. We have to remember verses like 1 Peter that talk, well, suffering, right? We're going to stand up. We're going to resist. If you're suffering for righteousness' sake, not for Stephen's sake, all right, not for my ego. Not for being right. I'm going to stand up for what's right. No. If I'm suffering for righteousness sake, that's good. If I'm suffering so that I look good, that's wrong. All right? 2 Timothy 1 says, but share in suffering for the gospel. Again, I'm not out there with the target. All right? Oh, well, if you show up tomorrow, I'm going to shoot you. Shoot me. I'm a Christian. I'm never going to deny it. I'm not saying deny Christ. But I'm not going to walk into the gunfire either. All right? And I don't see that in the Bible. Right? Again, Jesus escaped when they wanted to stone him. Paul escaped when they wanted to put him to death. The spies hid. The midwives feared God but hid their intent. Right? So we just have to be really careful when we talk about these issues and we get really worked up that we have the right motivation. If you're going to suffer for the sake of Christ that's a good motivation. If you're going to suffer for the sake of the gospel, that's a good motivation. If you're going to suffer to be a martyr, if you're going to suffer for your name, if you're going to suffer for attention, if you're going to suffer because you want to fight, if you're going to suffer because you want to be right, those are not the right reasons. So COVID is a really touchy subject. I don't care. I don't, I don't care about talking about touchy subjects. And you may have your opinion and I have mine, but you can't tell me you're right or wrong because there's no way to go back in time and say, let's not do what we did and do X. And you can't tell me we're stronger or weaker because of it. You have an opinion and so do I. But it doesn't matter. I'm under the subjection of the elders. I'm going to do what the elders say, and afterwards we're going to work what we can for the gospel. We're going to work for righteousness sake. I'm going to suffer for God, not for Stephen. And the last thing we want to do is stand up just so... Everybody look at me. Hey, Stephen's a good guy. He's standing up for what's right. We've said all along, if you want to really stand up for God, I've said this a lot. If you want to really stand up for God, it's not saying that I'm a Christian and somebody puts a gun to my head. If I want to really stand up for God, it's denying all the other things in life that are more likely to happen. Like my worldliness, like my time, like my selfishness. Yeah, I don't need to fight the government when inside. I just need to fight my fleshly self that wants to be different than what I'm supposed to be so no use in putting a big target on my back and the last verse I'll put in there is in Luke 18 when we talk about standing up and being right and the Lord uh, is going to humble those who are exalted and exalt those that are humbled and so if we do humility for the right reason with the right attitude then we'll probably feel pretty good about where we're at Danny yes you know I've got that note Danny said something really important and, and I didn't hit on it but I'm glad he did greet the church that is at Romans 16 greet the church that is in the house of right. if you're upset because we didn't come to this building and meet then you hold this building in reverence right and that's a problem isn't it the, the building is simply a location right And if you're upset because you had to watch TV or fix your internet, those are petty issues, right? Just to be, I'm just going to be blunt about it. If you're upset because people are still watching and they should be back here, then talk to them. Don't be upset and complain about it. Pick up the phone, go make a house call and say, hey, we want you back. But don't complain, "It's, it's hurt the church. You don't know that. You don't know where we would be if things had been different. I don't either. Again, I can give you examples of churches that handled it 20 different ways, and I can give you good outcomes and bad outcomes for every one of those ways, right? So, but if you hold this building, well, we should have been at the building showing the community. Oh, no, no. No, worship's not about showing. It's about worship. So, yes, ma'am. Right, so I noticed people didn't protest that as near as much as they did, but they wanted, and again, this was talking, sorry, so the statement was talking about they they said don't gather for big gatherings and in the home and the holidays. I remember the first Thanksgiving and Christmas, it was you need to avoid those things. But again, I think it was less about doing what was right, but people wanted to win the argument. People wanted to get their way. People wanted to show the government they're wrong. they wanted to show whatever political side they were on yes well it was but but so what so what if the government wants to control us isn't are we subject subject to the government yes yes well if you're a christian you are you're if you're a christian you right but is any of that you said not in the lord any of that you said not in the lord None of those things you've said is not in the Lord or goes against God's Word, right? So not meeting in a group at Thanksgiving has nothing to do with being a Christian or not, right? So we are subject to the government unless we can say it goes against God's Word, right? So we are subject to the government unless it goes against God's Word. So if the government says tomorrow you can't drive a car, I think that's stupid. I'm going to vote differently. I'm going to try to get people in power to change that. But if the government says that, we've got a problem because as Christians, we're saying, so, well, we have to drive a car. Do we? Do? Yes, ma'am. The government us mm-hmm. that we can't
1: get together in groups. Mm-hmm. That means that we couldn't get together, you know, as a church group. Well, does, now, is
0: that right? So let me ask you, could you get together on Zoom or on Teams or Facebook or... Okay. So, was that a problem? Well, they didn't, though, right? (laughs) They didn't. Yes. There, there's. You can get together on Zoom or Facebook, but it's not the same as assembling together. Agreed, it's not the same as assembling together. But does the whole group have to assemble together every time? Does the whole church have to assemble together every time? No. Because I would challenge that there's no such thing as a. Anchorage Church of Christ is a group of people that, doesn't, that excludes everyone else and has a membership role. That's not really the way the church works. There's a local meeting of Christians that's under the subjection of the eldership, but that local meeting of Christians can be all together. It can be split up at different times. We do that with, I mean, we've got people at camp right now. We don't consider them unfaithful tonight. We run a nursery. We don't consider that splitting the church, right? Right. So, on Sunday morning, when somebody goes to the nursery, we don't say, "Well, we just divided the church, so it is perfectly fine for groups to get in the home, Romans sixteen to meet in the home We are no, but that no you that's not what I said no don't don't take words out of context, which is what you're doing. Don't try to win the argument, listen to God's word, so what I'm saying is yeah. What I'm saying is when the government says you can't get together in a big group, it doesn't mean that we have to get together in a big group because there's no way to be a church. But when the elders say let's get back together, then we should be getting back together. That's very consistent. The elders aren't going against the government. The government said nothing in the last two years about getting together. So there's no conflict with the government now about getting together. Now some of you are going to say, boy, Stephen, you're on a limp. No, no, i before we start that, you got to go here. You got to go here. You're going to you're going to discuss it with me we go here. Not opinions, not what I think is fair, not what seems right. Okay? You got to go here and it's got to be consistent here. And so, first of all, if it doesn't go against God's word, we are subject to the government. Okay? If it doesn't go against God's word, we are subject to the government. Anybody anybody challenge that? Yeah, I know I went down. I'm going to come to you but no. Anybody challenge that? Okay. So let's agree on that. The government makes a law. We have a process to object to that law, to vote different people, but if it doesn't go against God's word, we are subject to the government. I don't believe that is the case. I don't believe you I don't believe you're right when you say that. I think we can meet in smaller groups. I think we can meet hidden away. I don't think we have to come here to meet. First century proved that. The midwives proved that. Right? The spies proved that. Jesus himself proved that. When he went against the government, but he didn't go out and fight. There are ways to accomplish that. We don't have to all meet as 200 people together. Correct. So let's look at what happened to to the children of Israel when they were persecuted, when they were put enslaved. Did they get weaker or stronger? Go to AD 70. When is the fastest growth of the church in human history, other than the day of Pentecost? When they were persecuted. Maybe that government telling us we should be meeting in homes is the best way to spread the gospel. Maybe us having to hide from the government would bring more people to Christ. Maybe if we quit worrying about winning the argument and start worrying about honoring God, right? Maybe that would be the difference. Stephanie, I saw your hand go up, so.
1: No longer have to obey them. Correct. And I, I think sometimes I've heard people um, not about the church thing, but mm-hmm. with COVID not being like even for hikes or playgrounds and things like that, they would say, Well, since the government's trying to control us, we don't want to obey them anymore. But they were actually
0: yeah. being controlled by the government and being killed, um, and they were still submitted to the government. So Stephanie makes a great point. Go to First Peter chapters 2 and 3. Let me remind you, our government is not persecuting us very much compared to the first century. In First Peter, the government, if you want to know, is killing people. The government is actively persecuting them. You aren't allowed to be a merchant by this point if you are a Christian. And what does Peter tell them to do? Submit to the authorities, including the government. Well, wait a minute. They're going against God. You're right. But they have a purpose behind it and it gets back to my very first point, was so that they saw your good behavior, and then there's a difference, right? Your goal is not to defy the government for the sake of defying the government. Our goal is to seek and save the lost. If I'm defying the government, it is to bring people to Christ, not to win win the argument, and, I'm sorry, but the government trying to control you is not a reason to defy them I'm not saying in our society we can't vote differently we can't voice our opinions but we can't say well the government wants us to wear a mask and that's controlling us that goes against God no that is not a that is not a scriptural basis if the government says you're going to meet in a group you must wear a mask can we worship with a mask on listen I had this debate with lots of people yes the answer is yes well, the government shouldn't do that. I didn't say they should or shouldn't. We're not talking about politics. We're not talking about opinions. The government says you have to wear a mask to be in a group. You know what I'm going to do to come to worship? I'm going to wear a mask because I want to worship. If the government says you can't be in a group greater than 20, and we thought they were going to do that in Tennessee, you know what we started doing? Hey, let's get look at pe- where people live, and let's start dividing them up into groups so they can come together. Well, why would you do that? You're caving to the government. No, because I want them to see my good behavior, by the way, that comes from 1 Peter. So that God is glorified. So that we can have an impact on their lives. I'm not caving to the government. I'm submitting to the authorities I'm told to submit to without going against God's word. Now that's very un-American. I'll just tell you that. And that's why people have a problem with it. Not because it's unchristian. Because it's un-American. Now people will say, Stephen, you've done a lot of un-American. I am a proud America, I work for the Department of Defense, for crying out loud. I don't do that because I want to, you know, I, I wear a pretty uniform. I'm wearing this all day. I don't even get to wear a uniform, okay? Correct. Is it, people ask me, are you an American first? And my answer is always what? No. No. And if you are, let's talk because that's sinful. You're a Christian first. I'm not a husband first. I'm not a dad first. I'm not an elder first. I'm not an American first. I am a Christian first. And if I have anything else there besides a follower of God, I'm wrong. Period. End of discussion. You want to argue? Let's come with scriptures and talk about it because I got a bunch. So plain and simple, that is not an American. I'm simply a Christian. I love America. I think I am blessed to be here. But I'll tell you as a whole, I think as a country, we are not blessed by our prosperity. I think our prosperity takes us away from God. Look at the last hundred years. We've gotten richer. We are further from God than we have been in a hundred years. Okay? So, I'm not an American. I am simply a Christian. Down the line, I will tell you that I am a husband and a father. I'm an At some point, I was an elder in the Lord's Church. Please don't take that. Maybe I will be again in a few days, right? I'm a Christian, and I'm an American. Right? I'm subject to those authorities because God made me subject to those authorities, right? But I am not an American first. That's what we have a problem with. We have a problem with we want to defy the government when we we don't like it. Let's not get our politics messed up with our Christianity. I'm going to tell you something you're not going to like, and I've said it before. Jesus is not a Republican or a Democrat. Jesus would not be picketing the Supreme Court or abortion. Abortion was legal in the first century. When does he say, go picket abortion? Prostitution was legal in the first century. Homosexuality, homosexual marriages were all legal in the first century. He preached against the heart. He preached against the actions. Social issues are not what Jesus is about. Political issues is not what Jesus is about. It is a touchy subject because we are Christians in America. This is a very different conversation outside of this country. And I've had it in many places. So, we are subject to the authorities here as long as it doesn't defy what God said. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't say that. But Jesus, isn't pu- pu- Jesus. Jesus is not protesting social wrongs. Jesus is changing hearts to get people to heaven. We can protest all day long to get abortion illegal, right? Woohoo, we won. You know the number of abortions this year is within 5% of what it was this time last year. Within 5% of what it was the year before. We spent hundreds of millions of dollars, millions of hours. We haven't changed a single soul going to heaven. Do I think abortion's wrong? Absolutely. But making a law about it is not going to change it. We're supposed to teach the gospel is what we're supposed to do. I don't care whether homosexual marriage is legal or not. I care whether people are following Christ. And if they follow Christ, I don't have to worry about homosexual marriage. I don't have to worry about abortion. And so that's why I teach the gospel. Yes, madam Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah this kingdom's going away, you're right mm-. Mm-hmm. People so Romans, another Romans is very similar as Peter about being subject to the to the authorities. And Romans tells because God put them in place. And again, we've talked about evil rulers that God put in place. Right? So it's very presumptuous of us to say, well, God doesn't want Trump, Biden, Obama, Bush, you pick the name, I don't care. He doesn't want them present. Really? He may have put them there. Oh, he's not a Christian. Neither were the last fifty two presidents. Right? And neither were Most of the rulers we see in the Bible, they were not God-fearing people, even those that were from God's people. How many of the kings were God-fearing versus weren't? Yeah. And so it's never about this world. Now, do we feed people? Yes, we feed people. We don't want people to... Right. And I'm given an obligation to my brothers and sisters about a way I'm supposed to act. But if my goal in life is to feed the hungry, I've got a bad goal in life. I want to feed the hungry. My goal in life is to teach the gospel. Seek and save the lost. Jesus could have ended world hunger tomorrow. He could have ended anything he wanted. That's not his goal. He wasn't there to heal people. He wasn't there to feed their bellies. Seek and save the lost. Stephanie, did you have a comment? or you? Oh, Danny, maybe... Yes Right, we don't blow off the hungry, we don't blow off abortion. I vote certain ways, I have actions in my life, I support people, I encourage people. But again, that's not my purpose here. It is part of who I am. And as a Christian, I act a certain way and support certain things because of that Christianity. We have a pantry here. Are we ever going to feed all the hungry? Jesus says you're not. But we still have a pantry here and we still feed people because as much as we did this to the least of these, we did it to him. But if my mission in life is to feed the hungry, i got a bad mission in life. To seek and save the lost. Now, if I can feed the hungry, and if I can feed the hungry and bring them to Christ, that's great. And I do oppose abortion, and I don't want homosexuality. But outlawing it isn't going to change it. Hearts. The gospel. That's how we change people. Danny, one last comment. I saw your hand up. Young preachers. I'm trying to imagine if every Christian
1: shared the gospel, what
0: would our world look like? Yes, that's how we fix hunger. That's how we fix abortion. That's how we fix homosexuality is through the gospel. And if Christians put their time and energy into spreading the gospel, some of these other things wouldn't be as big of an issue. I agree. I'm sorry I went over. Uh, Thank you very much for your time. Uh, Next week we're going to look at Jonah.